0: Hello, I'm Kenza, and this is the Finding Space podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Finding Space podcast. This week, I interview filmmaker and photographer Brian Verner. We talk about how he got into film and photography, what drew him to working within cycling, and also how content can have a greater impact on sport. Enjoy. Enjoy. So when did sort of photography um, or film become like a major part of your life? What what sort of age were you?
1: Uh, I'd say socially, it was in high school. I was really like lucky to live next to this amazing art house theater. And uh, I just went there a lot and saw crazy films, like for a teenager going to see like Almodovar movies in the 90s, like It was just like mind-blowing you know like being like an american kid from a fairly normal not conservative but middle of the road politics family uh and just seeing like transvestites dancing across the screen and being funny and and the sort of highs and lows of life being portrayed in these ways that were so outside of my personal experience uh it really like got me to love cinema and uh i didn't really participate in it in any way of course at that time but i uh went to college and i got excited about sort of documentaries and their political uses and and so i started taking some film classes and i i just didn't know anything about cameras and i really struggled with just the technology of it in the beginning and uh, so I ended up getting this Pentax K one thousand, like the classic first SLR camera, and I I just used it as a way to like sort of understand the basics like f stop, exposure, you know, depth of field, framing, and uh, and so I didn't study film like as a my major in college, but I. Uh, ended up wanting to make films after college and I worked at a photo lab and just sort of started immersing myself in all the photography that's out there and and being around photographers. I was at this lab where we rented darkroom space and we had one of the only rental darkroom facilities for type R printing, positive printing in in the US at the time and so we just had unreal artists coming to use it and seeing seeing all their work and and getting to help a little bit and uh yeah so it just pretty much after college I became really immersed in it and before that I wasn't I was just sort of stumbling along
0: and what point did photography become part of your working life was that straight out of college you started sort of looking to do paid work or was it still some was it something that you did on the side
1: uh, it was just purely, purely personal and sort of on the side for years. I moved to Ohio and I was a bike messenger. I also worked in a photo lab there. Um, and when I moved back to California, I got really excited about cyclocross. It was sort of like my, I was already doing that as a junior racer and, and I came back in my mid twenties to California and took it a little more seriously or tried to at least and uh, decided to make a film about cyclocross. That was the first film project I really ever did. It was called Pure Sweet Hell. And after that, I just, I guess what I, I, I didn't do a lot of still photography while making that film. I just saw it as a film project and I didn't understand the value of still photography in tandem with it. And so we actually ended up getting that film distributed on DVD. And and when it came time to package that, I had like no still photography from making this film and we didn't have much to work with on the dvd packaging i had to ask friends for photos and things like that and so i learned after that to just always do both at the same time and that actually served me really well when i started to do commercial stuff because uh it was when people were starting to talk like that like video and motion was just as important as stills and so could you get like one creative person to do both or or if you had a really lean crew, how many assets could you create on both sides of that? That was like early 2000s. And then uh, I didn't really do any commercial. The very first commercial job I ever did was for Rafa, the cycling apparel company. And that work ended up you know, getting seen by a lot of people because of the success of the brand and because of the creative angle of the project that I worked on called the Rough Continental, which was completely American focused really different than what the brand was doing in the UK and in Europe, which was very much like, they were kind of like nostalgia, like European professional cycling. And in the American context, we just took it out of that completely and focused on ourselves, like riders like me who did big adventurous rides and weren't competing. And that was to me a really essential shift because I sort of grew up skateboarding and in a surfing culture my brother's a surfboard shaper to this day and uh in those worlds like competition really isn't like an essential part of it so like for me cycling's always been that way like mountain biking for sure i raced and i did cyclocross racing but it's uh, never been like why i do the thing and for most of my friends in cycling it's the same way
0: when you had that change in sort of workflow as money started becoming, coming into it and you were, it was becoming work, did your mindset change to it or was it, you know, whether that's just pressure or, um, how you approached it creatively, or was it such a organic thing for you anyway that, you know, it just, it, it came quite naturally. Well, now I've been, shooting
1: for a long time, like over a decade, I've been just purely sort of surviving off films and photography. And I didn't shift just like overnight, you know, there's there's this whole progression. And and I think where I've come to now is like that there's a major difference between commercial shooting and like personal work, like there's you're not hired to take chances (laughs) like if you're a commercial photographer you're hired to deliver and there's no there's no not fulfilling that promise or you'd like never work again so the chances you take are different and they might be like um tactical or have to do with planning and hoping for the best light and things like that but it's not It's, you're not taking a chance with other people's money so much. And so on the personal side, there's just a lot of experimentation. There's subject matter that's not commercially viable. You know, you just don't, it's so much more, uh, free. In the beginning, even that commercial stuff for Rafa was that way. Like we just did our own thing. We had no oversight. There were no employees for Rafa in America, Daniel Paisley um who's well known in cycling as well manual for speed and yonder journal and that kind of thing he kind of wrote that project we just kind of did it you know there was we got some feedback like stop doing cross-process film and stuff like that that we (laughs) were really into but other than that it was pretty minimal feedback and we just kind of did our own thing so that didn't change quickly because there was just not much oversight but when i started to work with Jiro and some brands that were local to me in Santa Cruz and I had like a creative director or somebody there looking over the shoulder, then yeah, that, that changes the whole perspective really quickly. All of a sudden someone's like, I want to see you on the back of your camera. Did we get it? Does it look like this? We had this idea. Are you getting that idea into the photo? Uh, so uh, a big part of your workflow at that point, or your work style
0: has to do with communication with other people and not just doing your own thing you you may not have worked with um, brands or on projects that you're not necessarily passionate about but have you ever found that it's been difficult to keep to that high level of work and creativity when you're not working on a subject that you're necessarily passionate about
1: well i think i guess what i was saying is i think that a lot of the creativity that goes into commercial communication happens before you do the shoot and so yeah like that conversation is a pretty interesting thing to me i like talking to brand people. I like talking to agencies like they're people that really care about that end result. And it might not be 100% my thing, but they're not talking to me unless they think we can come together and make it the best it can be. And so it's like, I enjoy working with people. I'm not like a total loner. Those conversations are a big part of what I do. Uh, All those conversations and getting on the same page before you ever go outside and shoot is, critical or else then everyone's going to be disappointed.
0: Do you find photography has a direct effect on your mental health in terms of either you sometimes use it to help or it's something that just ignites something that makes you feel a certain way?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that photography there's when you're committed to it, or regardless of your commitment, like even if you're a total beginner, there's moments of ecstatic creativity and that's like essential for life. Like I I have chosen to be an artist of some sort, whether that's commercial or, you know, I don't really exist in a gallery world, but I, but I have moments of incredibly satisfying ecstatic creativity. Uh, I surprise myself, uh, the world itself surprises me. Like that is the experience of being, you know, having a camera in your hand and, and working with it to do something that's, that's for yourself and for other people. But, um, you know, that's a little different than the commercial side that we talked about before and, and, and mental health wise, I guess that's what you're getting at is, is just like, I I find that experience to be an essential part of life. And if I didn't have it, I'd I'd probably be very
0: unhappy. Do you find, um, coming off a, whatever project it is, even if it's just something you're doing completely for personal work, that coming off a really creative high, you can sometimes have withdrawals from it, or if you go, so for instance, we're in this lockdown at the moment, um, I'm sure you're you're keeping creative and we'll, we'll touch on that, but have you found, have you ever felt sort of low because you're not shooting or, or you're waiting to shoot or something? It's just like almost anything in your life. Like it takes
1: a lot of practice and it's practice itself is satisfying, not just like the, the, the final creation, like getting something that's going to go out to people and be seen. But um, yeah, I think that I have to pick up a camera frequently or I get a little bummed out and I have that even Pre-pandemic, there were just times when I would be doing a lot of editing or, you know, with with film projects, I'm sort of stuck inside and not having that that creation in the same way. And yeah, I miss it. And it is kind of a bummer. And I'm I mean, I've just been doing this for a long time, I guess. So I know when that's happening to me and I and I find ways to be creative on
0: my own without a job or without a assignment that might seem quite simple but that's a it's a really important thing to remember in anything that as you say you you're very experienced in this world so you know when those maybe you're sort of you've been editing too long you need to step away but learning those sort of triggers or moments and if you need to go for a run or go and just go for a walk and take some photos knowing that and preempting it is, is really important
1: yeah much I'm in a much healthier place now (laughs) than I was 10 years ago. I mean, I definitely just like was dying for every job to come in the door back then. And I, I wasn't as good. It's funny. I wasn't like as good at self motivating to shoot back then, but I also did more diverse sort of creative stuff. I painted more. I did collage and it's, you know, like as you get better and better at one thing, you tend to like gravitate towards it. And so I've been more and more just making films and photography. And and uh, the diversity of stuff that I did way back is actually a really healthy thing, too. And the pandemic has kind of been a good opportunity to diversify again and noodle around in, in my garage, which is not really an art studio. It's half bike storage and half half paints and collage stuff. But uh, yeah, it's really like um, important to like keep a finger on your pulse there, like understanding what is giving you highs and lows and, and like riding a little even more even line as you get older, like I think you just learn to like whether it's um, like it's essential to understand what makes you happy and to not let that be entirely dependent on outside things like if did I get a job, did I did I have an opportunity, you just have to make those opportunities when you're not getting them from other places. And I enjoy holding a camera and making stuff whether it's on assignment or paid for or not. And so uh, sometimes it's just a type of discipline, but like all you know, like carrying a camera on a bike ride isn't super fun, right? Like it's heavy yeah. and <laughs> and and uh annoying because you might not use it at all but sometimes i just force myself to because who knows what situation i'll be in and i'm always seeing stuff out there it's just so riding bikes is like you know an incredible way to see the world so if you're not carrying a form of creativity along with you when you're having that experience if you can't recreate it later then it's better just to
0: bring your gear with you and, and play with it in the moment no i think you're completely right. You touched on a few really important points there. Like, firstly, when you were talking about really diversifying your creative process, and sort of, there's been quite a lot of talk about that in the sporting world in the first series. You know, a, a few of the cyclists were saying how important it was for them to either get into other sports or um, get into other activities. And I think whatever you're doing and and if it is creativity if you you know dipping into painting or drawing it doesn't matter about the end product it can spark a you know creative idea or it can be calming it, it it I think it's just good to sort of do a diverse amount of things and and not just sort of get stuck in one routine
1: yeah this other photographer sort of multi-talented artist guy that I just I just know him through the internet his name is Brian Bowie he lives on the east coast of the United States and he paints and and draws and photographs and kind of does all this great work and um we talked about this time period and how allowing yourself to be a beginner is a really important thing and I think it's like people make their living off their art or they get known for a certain type of art then people want more of them in that form and they're not as open to the other things that they create and and right now is this really great time to just let yourself be a beginner like suck at something like you learn so much from from like attempting a watercolor and just totally failing at it and and uh with photography i don't allow myself to fail as much as i used to and and I you just learn so much more
0: from, from that. So sort of taking it back to um, the work you've done in cycling, you grew up with photography and, and film and, and you had a passion for cycling. But what sort of initially drew you to that sort of bringing the two together?
1: Well, I think cycling is beautiful. I, I just think the way a rider leans the bike, uh, what happens between you and the ground, uh the spaces that you're in on a bike are incredible and so to me it's like you know immediately attractive right like and especially photographically well i really saw myself as most likely a documentary filmmaker and i and i just knew the cycling world i had i had raced and i had um really loved the community that was cyclocross in america in the late 90s and early 2000s and and uh so it just seemed like a thing i could do well subject matter wise and so when i made Pierce sweet hell with my friend willie bouillon back in the early 2000s um it was just like I didn't think it was going to be the first of many cycling projects. I I actually just thought it would be like this one and done cycling thing I did. And then from there, I'd make some other kind of documentary, but it turned into um, it sort of translated into being able to understand cycling and convey it to other people. Well, and that allowed me to do work for brands and magazines. And I just kept meeting people. And there's such a cool community in cycling and. And then our experience of the world when we're out there on our bikes is, you know, infinitely interesting too. So here I am like, you know, many years later and I still find a lot of inspiration in it and also in the people.
0: Is there something unique about cycling that does that, that draws sort of artists, creatives to the sport?
1: I don't think it's unique. I mean, I grew up in this surf and skate community in Santa Cruz, California, and those two communities Were had cultures of self-documentation and that was something that I think shifted more recently in cycling is that carrying a camera on your back is like cool now and, and bringing something back and describing your experience is just as newsworthy as like Mark Cavendish's race win. And like, that's a great progression in my mind, self-documenting your own culture defining it for yourselves that opens the door to great diversity whether that's women or people of color or just the experience of non-racing and so right now cycling is like more interesting than ever before and there's more and more people who have like opened that door for themselves by trying to describe their own experience and I, i i think i think that's beautiful and i think that you know there's like a big divide in cycling right there's like mountain bikers, road people and all that. And and I guess like that sort of culture of self-documentation and collaboration between the riders and the photographers that that happened much earlier with mountain biking. So when you had free ride and you had a form of riding where the style was just as important as like the finish line or anything like that, then the riders became much more interested in their the way they were being conveyed and they became collaborators and it. they understood how to drop a shoulder and make a corner look harder. They, they, they started to understand the body language of the bike. And, and I saw that progress in mountain biking way earlier. And now it's sort of like getting there with road. People are taking some more chances and how roads conveyed. It's not just about like being fit it's not just about looking powerful it's not just about the there was a lot of environmental stuff that was really latched onto with road cycling like when paved magazine existed and and some of the the outlets that were that were more about the spirit of the experience the the initial wave was like to show our environments and i still think you see that popularly like instagram and people who do bike photography for for those kind of outlets they're still sort of it's sort of like claiming the space like showing I was here and that's the main part of the narrative of the photo but I think it's really exciting and what I really liked about like the red hook crit where we met um, and overlapped in the past is that that was like a perfect platform for doing something totally weird with photography that with bikes and There was technical challenges like shooting at night. Um, What you saw early on is that everyone's photos looked the same. And so photographers started to like try to do something different. And because technically just to accomplish a photo at night in like the conventional way, there's only a handful of ways to do it sort of. And so then to make an unconventional photo, there's a million ways to do it. And so I think that the people that are really doing Great work like with the red hook crit environment and in nighttime racing like that like like kind of ex- exploded more the creative side of how to document bikes and that's not necessarily like that sort of fetishization of like fitness and speed or it might be speed but but not like it's getting away from the fitness thing which I think is just super boring.
0: did you predominantly shoot analog at Red Hook or Uh, I've done about half and
1: half, I guess, over the years. I started in 2010, I shot like the very last sort of feral red hook crit where there was still classes coming on the course and, and that I met David Trimble that just days before that event. And, um, and it was unreal. Like it was so exciting to be there and see something different in cycling, but still competitive and i think when you like a lot of the like entrenched bike people like poo-pooed it like velo news wrote a shitty editorial about it and it's just these people did not get it like the energy that was on the ground there and the translation of just like this dangerous speed thing like f1 style like Anyone who was there understood it. They did not have to understand bikes at all. And so I knew that it was going to be like a big thing, like that it would transcend bike culture. And it totally did that.
0: What's it like shooting a, a sport event now in in this digital world with analog? Do you think that's still got a, an important place? All the great
1: photography of sports and cycling, it's it's not, there's timelessness to it and whether you publish it that minute or a month later, I think it doesn't matter. You know, uh, you know, Muhammad Ali knocking out Frazier is going to be the greatest sports image forever, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's like nobody doesn't recognize that photo. And, and there's everything about it. It's so unreal. And, and so I think like, how you approach things like is dependent on your client in some ways or your own personal bottom line. And like with EF, who hired me to do that project, it wasn't one of the sponsors. It was a team sponsored by an education company. And so the mandate is like a very good story. It's not how does the bike perform or is the clothing perfect for the weather? It's, it's, you're not telling a product story, you're telling an experience story. And so um, it's really exciting, at least as a commercial shooter who works within the industry when brands outside the industry who aren't as worried about the tech or the products get involved because it just opens up what you can do in terms of the creativity. It's, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, EF's a great, situation for cycling right now. They're their media they're creating, the types of riders, uh they're hiring, the the voices that they're allowing from those riders. It's just so much more interesting than like
0: whatever Italian team exists right now. I can't even tell you which one's based there. Do you think sport um photography has an impact on sport in terms of it either changing it or has an importance? You know, taking away creativity and, and photography from sport, do you think it would change at all? Yeah, I mean, even who's taking that photo? You know, it's like you just had Justin
1: Williams' um, interview uh, published, and I listened to that one. And he's talking about evolving the participation in cycling, uh, showing more examples of people of color in the sport and it's like something he doesn't quite get to but which is really unique in terms of the work he's done and the concept team and other consciously uh, athletes who are consciously people of color within the within cycling is that they've also almost all been very creative people He talks about building decks and trying to explain to brands how his story is going to be shown to people and concept team and other athletes are doing so much more than just performing and they're they're not interested in simply breaking into the sport but they also want to have the reins on the story and that's going to tell a totally different story than like a a white photographer would or whatever i think it's like for sure going to continue to have this like incredible relationship of of documentation and creativity and
0: performance thank you for listening if you would like to see the portraits from this week's episode please go to findingspace.cc for more interviews like this please subscribe to the finding space podcast.